You're listening to He That Is Righteous Is Favored of God, part of the 1830 Podcast Network. It is the 1990 Independence Edition of the Book of Mormon, followed by commentary. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the podcaster and don't necessarily reflect the beliefs of the Church of Christ. Chapter 6 Now it came to pass that I, Nephi, did teach my brethren these things, and it came to pass that I did read many things to them which were engraven upon the plates of brass, that they might know concerning the doings of the Lord in other lands, among people of old. And I did read many things unto them which were written in the book of Moses, but that I might more fully persuade them to believe in the Lord their Redeemer, wherefore I did read unto them that which was written by the prophet Isaiah. For I did liken all scriptures unto us, that it might be for our profit and learning. Wherefore I spake unto them, saying, Hear ye the words of the prophet, ye which are a remnant of the house of Israel, a branch which has been broken off. Hear ye the words of the prophet, which were written unto all the house of Israel, and liken it unto yourselves, that ye may have hope as well as your brethren, from whom ye have been broken off. For after this manner hath the prophet written, Hearken, and hear this, O house of Jacob, which are called by the name of Israel, and are come forth out of the waters of Judah, which swear by the name of the Lord, and make mention of the God of Israel, yet they swear not in truth, nor in righteousness. Nevertheless they call themselves of the holy city, but they do not stay themselves upon the God of Israel, which is the Lord of hosts. Yea, the Lord of hosts is his name. Behold, I have declared the former things from the beginning, and they went forth out of my mouth, and I shewed them, I did shew them suddenly. And I did it because I knew that thou art obstinate, and thy neck was an iron sinew, and thy brow brass. And I have, even from the beginning, declared to thee, before it came to pass, I shewed them thee, and I shewed them for fear lest thou shouldst say, Mine idol hath done them, and my graven image, and my molten image hath commanded them. Thou hast seen and heard all this, and will ye not declare them? And that I have shewed thee new things from this time, even hidden things, and thou didst not know them. They are created now, and not from the beginning, even before the day when thou heardest them not, they were declared unto thee, lest thou shouldst say, Behold, I knew them. Yea, and thou heardest not, yea, thou knewest not, yea, from that time thine ear was not opened. For I knew that thou wouldest deal very treacherously, and wast called a transgressor from the womb. Nevertheless, for my name's sake will I defer mine anger, and for my praise will I refrain from thee, that I cut thee not off. For behold, I have refined thee, I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. For mine own sake, yea, for mine own sake will I do this, for I will not suffer my name to be polluted, and I will not give my glory unto another. Hearken unto me, O Jacob, and Israel my called, for I am he, and I am the first, and I am also the last. Mine hand hath also laid the foundation of the earth, and my right hand hath spanned the heavens, and I called unto them, and they stand up together. All ye, assemble yourselves, and hear, which among them hath declared these things unto them. The Lord hath loved him, yea, and he will fulfill his word which he hath declared by them, and he will do his pleasure on Babylon, and his arm shall come upon the Chaldeans. Also saith the Lord, 
I, the Lord, yea, I have spoken, yea, I have called him to declare, I have brought him, and he shall make his way prosperous. Come ye near unto me. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning, for the time that it was declared have I spoken, and the Lord God and his Spirit hath sent me. And thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I have sent him, the Lord thy God, which teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way thou shouldst go, hath done it. O that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Thy seed also had been as the sand, the offspring of thy bowels like the gravel thereof. His name should not have been cut off nor destroyed from before me. Go ye forth of Babylon, flee ye from the Chaldeans, with a voice of singing declare ye, tell this, utter to the end of the earth, say ye, The Lord hath redeemed his servant Jacob, and they thirsted not. He led them through the deserts. He caused the waters to flow out of the rock for them. He cleaved the rock also, and the waters gushed out. And notwithstanding he hath done all this, and greater also, there is no peace, saith the Lord, unto the wicked. And again hearken, O ye house of Israel, all ye that are broken off and are driven out because of the wickedness of the pastors of my people, Yea, all ye that are broken off and are scattered abroad, which are of my people, O house of Israel. Listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people, from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. And he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword, in the shadow of his hand hath he hid me, and made me a polished shaft, in his quiver hath he hid me, and said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain, I have spent my strength for naught, and in vain surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work with my God. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb, that I should be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldst be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles, that thou mayest be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nations abhorreth, to servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful. Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time have I heard thee, O isles of the sea, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. And I will preserve thee, and give thee my servant for a covenant of the people, to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. That thou mayest say to the prisoners, Go forth, to them that sit in darkness, Shew yourselves, they shall feed in the ways, and their pastures shall be in all high places. They shall not hunger nor thirst, neither shall the heat nor the sun smite them. For he that hath mercy on them shall lead them, even by the springs of water shall he guide them. And I will make all my mountains away, and my highways shall be exalted. And then, O house of Israel, behold, These shall come from far, and lo, these from the north and from the west, and these from the land of Sinim. 
Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth, for the feet of them which are in the east shall be established. And break forth into singing, O mountains, for they shall be smitten no more, for the Lord hath comforted his people, and will have mercy upon his afflicted. But behold, Zion hath said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me, but he will shew that he hath not. For can a woman forget her sucking child, that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet will I not forget thee, O house of Israel. Behold, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands, thy walls are continually before me. Thy children shall make haste against thy destroyers, and they that made thee waste shall go forth of thee. Lift up thine eyes round about, and behold, all these gather themselves together, and they shall come to thee. And as I live, saith the Lord, thou shalt surely clothe thee with them all, as with an ornament, and bind them on even as a bride. For thy waste and thy desolate places, and the land of thy destruction shall even now be too narrow by reason of the inhabitants, and they that swallowed thee up shall be far away. The children which thou shalt have, after thou hast lost the other, shall again in thine ears say, The place is too straight for me, give place to me that I may dwell. Then shalt thou say in thine heart, Who hath begotten me these, seeing I have lost my children, and am desolate, a captive, and removing to and fro? And who hath brought up these? Behold, I was left alone. These, where have they been? Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will lift up mine hand to the Gentiles, and set up my standard to the people, and they shall bring thy sons in their arms, and thy daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders. And kings shall be thy nursing fathers, and their queens thy nursing mothers. They shall bow down to thee with their face towards the earth, and lick up the dust of thy feet. And thou shalt know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed that wait for me. For shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the lawful captives delivered? But thus saith the Lord, Even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. And I will feed them that oppress thee with their own flesh. They shall be drunken with their own blood as with sweet wine. And all flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Chapter 7 And now it came to pass that after I, Nephi, after that I had read these things which were engraven upon the plates of brass, my brethren came unto me and said unto me, What meaneth these things which ye have read? Behold, are they to be understood according to things which are spiritual, which shall come to pass according to the Spirit and not the flesh? And I, Nephi, saith unto them, Behold, they were made manifest unto the prophet by the voice of the Spirit. For by the Spirit are all things made known unto the prophet, which shall come upon the children of men according to the flesh. Wherefore the things of which I have read are things pertaining to things both temporal and spiritual. For it appears that the house of Israel, sooner or later, will be scattered upon all the face of the earth, and also among all nations. And behold, there are many which are already lost from the knowledge of they which are at Jerusalem. Yea, the more part of all the tribes have been led away and they are scattered to and fro upon the isles of the sea. And whither they are none of us knoweth, save that we know that they have been led away. And since that they have been led away, these things have been prophesied concerning them, 
and also concerning all they which shall hereafter be scattered and be confounded because of the Holy One of Israel, for against him will they harden their hearts. Wherefore they shall be scattered among all nations, and shall be hated by all men. Nevertheless, after that they have been nursed by the Gentiles, and the Lord hath lifted up his hand upon the Gentiles, and set them up for a standard, and their children shall be carried in their arms, and their daughters shall be carried upon their shoulders, behold, these things of which are spoken are temporal, for thus are the covenants of the Lord with our fathers. And it meaneth us in the days to come, and also all our brethren which are of the house of Israel. And it meaneth that the time cometh that after all the house of Israel have been scattered and confounded, that the Lord God will raise up a mighty nation among the Gentiles, yea, even upon the face of this land. And by them shall our seed be scattered. And after that our seed is scattered, the Lord God will proceed to do a marvelous work among the Gentiles, which shall be of great worth unto our seed. Wherefore it is likened unto their being nourished by the Gentiles, and being carried in their arms and upon their shoulders. And it shall also be of worth unto the Gentiles, and not only unto the Gentiles, but unto all the house of Israel, unto the making known of the covenants of the Father of heaven unto Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. And I would, my brethren, that ye should know that all the kindreds of the earth cannot be blessed unless he shall make bare his arm in the eyes of the nations. Wherefore the Lord God will proceed to make bare his arm in the eyes of all the nations in bringing about his covenants and his gospel unto them which are of the house of Israel. Wherefore he will bring them again out of captivity, and they shall be gathered together to the lands of their first inheritance, and they shall be brought out of obscurity and out of darkness, and they shall know that the Lord is their Savior and their Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel." And the blood of that great and abominable church, which is the whore of all the earth, shall turn upon their own heads. For they shall war among themselves, and the sword of their own hands shall fall upon their own heads, and they shall be drunken with their own blood. And every nation which shall war against thee, O house of Israel, shall be turned one against another. And they shall fall into the pit which they digged to ensnare the people of the Lord. And all which fight against Zion shall be destroyed." And that great whore which hath perverted the right ways of the Lord, yea, that great and abominable church, shall tumble to the dust, and great shall be the fall of it. For behold, saith the prophet, that the time cometh speedily, that Satan shall have no more power over the hearts of the children of men. For the day soon cometh that all the proud, and they which do wickedly, shall be as stubble, and the day cometh that they must be burned." For the time soon cometh, that the fullness of the wrath of God shall be poured out upon all the children of men. For he will not suffer that the wicked shall destroy the righteous. Wherefore he will preserve the righteous by his power, even if it so be that the fullness of his wrath must come, and the righteous be preserved even unto the destruction of their enemies by fire. Wherefore the righteous need not fear. For thus saith the prophet, They shall be saved, even if it so be as by fire." Behold, my brethren, I say unto you that these things must shortly come, yea, even blood and fire and vapor of smoke must come, and it must needs be upon the face of this earth, and it cometh unto men according to the flesh, if it so be, that they will harden their hearts against the Holy One of Israel. For behold, the righteous shall not perish, for the time surely must come, that all they which fight against Zion shall be cut off. And the Lord will surely prepare a way for his people unto the fulfilling of the words of Moses which he spake, saying, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you, like unto me, 
Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that all they which will not hear that prophet shall be cut off from among the people. And now I, Nephi, declare unto you that this prophet of whom Moses spake was the Holy One of Israel, wherefore he shall execute judgment in righteousness. And the righteous need not fear, for it is they which shall not be confounded. But it is the kingdom of the devil which shall be built up among the children of men, which kingdom is established among them which are in the flesh. For the time speedily shall come that all churches which are built up to get gain, and all they which are built up to get power over the flesh, and they which are built up to become popular in the eyes of the world, and they which seek the lusts of the flesh and the things of the world, and to do all manner of iniquity, yea, in fine, all they which belong to the kingdom of the devil, it is they which need fear and tremble and quake. It is they which must be brought low in the dust. It is they which must be consumed as stubble. And this is according to the words of the prophet. And the time cometh speedily that the righteous must be led up as calves of the stall, and the Holy One of Israel must reign in dominion and might and power and great glory. And he gathereth his children from the four quarters of the earth, and he numbereth his sheep, and they know him. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd, and he shall feed his sheep, and in him they shall find pasture. And because of the righteousness of his people, Satan hath no power, wherefore he cannot be loosed for the space of many years. For he hath no power over the hearts of the people, for they dwell in righteousness, and the Holy One of Israel reigneth. And now, behold, I, Nephi, say unto you, that all these things must come according to the flesh. But behold, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people shall dwell safely in the Holy One of Israel, if it so be that they will repent. And now I, Nephi, make an end, for I durst not speak further as yet concerning these things. Wherefore, my brethren, I would that ye should consider that the things which have been written upon the plates of brass are true, and they testify that a man must be obedient to the commandments of God. Wherefore ye need not suppose that I and my Father are the only ones that have testified and also taught them. Wherefore, if ye shall be obedient to the commandments and endure to the end, ye shall be saved at the last day. And thus it is. Amen. Come unto me, all ye that labor and Chapter 6, 1 Nephi chapter 6. This is going to be an easy chapter to do notes on. There's not very many. And in fact, it's kind of backwards. Where There's not a lot of notes I'm going to put in this chapter or references. There's a few. 
But most of all, most of what I'm going to reference is that this is Isaiah chapter 48 and chapter 49. So the reference is Isaiah 48 and 49, and that covers the whole chapter. The whole thing is taken out of Isaiah just about. And I and Nephi at the beginning is explaining how important Isaiah was in the scriptures to drive this point home. Um, Isaiah in the Book of Mormon, if you can, if you, you can write this down somewhere, I don't know if it has to be in your margin here. I put it here. In, in the book of the book of Isaiah in the Book of Mormon, you have in second Nephi, you have you've got chapter 50 and in second Nephi chapter 5. So Isaiah chapter 50 is located also in second Nephi chapter 5 verses 46 and 40 through 69. Isaiah chapter 51 is in second Nephi chapter 5 verses 70 through 114. So you've got Isaiah chapters 50 and 51 are in 2 Nephi chapter 5. Now you have Isaiah chapter 2 through chapter 14 are in 2 Nephi chapter 8 verses 17 through chapter 10 verse 54. So chapters 2 through 14, the whole section there is in the second book of Nephi. And then chapter 29 is also in 2 Nephi chapter 11 verses 116 through 160. So Nephi was, he liked the book of uh, Isaiah quite a bit. He liked the prophecies there. And a lot of those prophecies are about his people or about the, the descendants of Jacob. And he chose these chapters to show, and, and, and what's important to show here is you can go to the Bible and find scriptures about the Book of Mormon, scriptures about the, these prophecies about the people in all the world, in the islands of the sea. And here it is. He's using these same scriptures to tell his people, this is about you. This prophecy applies to you. It's not just about the Jews in Jerusalem. One thing that I think is, is we'll go into it more. So there's more chapters. Uh, chapter 53 is in the book of Mosiah, chapter 8, 15 through 27. Isaiah chapter 52, another part of it is in 3 Nephi chapter 9, verses 74 through 83. And Isaiah chapter 54 is in 3 Nephi 10, verses 9 through 25. Now those in 3 Nephi, that's Jesus Christ quoting Isaiah. And, and he even says, read the prophecies of Isaiah. And he wants them put in this Book of Mormon. So Isaiah, the theme of Isaiah in the Book of Mormon, that's what I want to talk about here. And what I would like you to make a reference, what I think is important to make a reference, is in the book of Isaiah, reference the Book of Mormon, chapter 6. You never, A lot of the Book of Mormon has the Bible references in the margins anymore, and the 1990 Independence Edition has it, has a lot of those references. And uh, what we don't have is your Bible having the references to the Book of Mormon. So if you go to Isaiah chapter 48 and 49, and you would reference 1 Nephi chapter 6. The next reference I have to write down in your margin is Romans chapter 11. This is, goes with the beginning of this prophecy. And if you want to put it down in your Bible at, at Isaiah chapter 48 and 49, it, it's, a, it's appropriate there too. But Romans chapter 11, verses 16 through 26, and you have the, the story, and we've talked about this before, but it, it, it's a Bible verse that calls the descendants of Israel branches. And he's talking to the Gentiles saying, don't think that you're better because the Bible is, because the, the promise is coming to you now. 
because you're a, a branch that's being grafted in, don't get too big on yourself because the root is what's holding you up. So it's, I, I kind of like the whole reading. It's a good reading, but reference that, uh, reference that in your margin in uh, a neighborhood of verse six. And that's about all I have for chapter six. There's not a lot of notes or highlights here. It's just the whole thing is, is good to read and it's good to make a reference to. Chapter seven. As much as I didn't highlight in chapter six, I'm going to highlight that much more of chapter seven. So it's interesting. Chapter six is chapters 48 and 49 of Isaiah. And there's not a lot to highlight because we're about to get all the good stuff in chapter seven, because Nephi is going to explain this to us. He's going to explain it to us as if we were Laman and Lemuel. So there's the, the, the explanation of the previous chapter is coming. So that's hence the, uh, the lack of highlights in chapter six. The first uh, verse to highlight or to, that I have a note in my Book of Mormon is um, a note in the margin that says chiasm, and it is pointing at verse 3. And I have a parenthetical at the beginning of the word behold and an end parenthetical at the end uh, in verse 4 at the end of the word prophets. And I'm going to read it to you, just the parenthetical. Behold, they were made manifest unto the prophet by the voice of the Spirit. For by the Spirit are all things made known unto the prophets. And so we have a A, B, B, A. The way it was explained to me is not a rhyming feature, but it's a topical feature that I'm going to talk about uh, the prophets and then the Spirit, and then I'm going to talk about the Spirit and then the prophets. And I think you can, I think it's even bigger than that, but this is the most easily recognized uh, verse in this chiasm here. And chiasms are a study unto themselves, but they are a way of writing that was uh, Hebraic, and it's widely regarded that Joseph Smith could not have known what he was doing when he wrote all these chiasms in the Book of Mormon. It wasn't common knowledge in 1830. The next verse I have is well, it's a section of verses 6 through 12, and the first verse is verse 6, and I have a reference to Jeremiah 31.10 right after verse 6, Jeremiah 31.10. And I'm going to read Jeremiah 31.10. Okay, Isaiah 31.10. Hear the word of the Lord, O ye nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, He that scattered Israel will gather him, and keep him as a shepherd doth his flock. So it's a reference in the Bible. If, uh, if, you, if you can't, if, I, if the entire chapter of Isaiah 40 and all these chapters isn't enough talking about these prophecies in the Bible about how he's going to scatter Israel and bring them back. Uh, Jeremiah has one that directly answers this statement for it appears that the house of Israel sooner or later will be scattered upon all the face of the earth and also among all nations. And so it's a, it, there's a, there's a lot of references for some reason I latched onto Jeremiah 31 10. The rest of these verses seven through 12 are all uh, talking about this scattering and it's explaining the verses in 48, what's going to happen. And the reason they are scattered and confounded is in verse 11. And I have underlined for against him, will they harden their hearts? And it's just directly saying, you know, the Holy one of Israel, it's against Christ that they, that they will harden their hearts. And that is going to be very clearly made evident when they, when they crucify him. Other references at the end of this, I've got in Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy 4, 27 through 31, 
and Deuteronomy 28, verse 64, it's talking, those you can look up on your own, but they're talking about how the promise way back in, in the, in the books of Moses that from the beginning, this Torah, this law, they had a promise. If you will follow me, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you'll be scattered among all nations. And so it's right there from the very beginning, these, these, uh, prophecies about Israel being scattered from the very beginning, they have been there. 13 verse 13 is also highlighted and it's for a different, uh, reason. It's a different, uh, topic. So I made it a different color. The next verse I have is verse 13. Nevertheless, after they have been nursed by the Gentiles and the Lord has lifted up his hand upon the Gentiles and set them up for a standard and their children have been carried in their arms and their daughters have been carried upon their shoulders. Behold, these things of which are spoken are temporal for thus are the covenants of the Lord with our fathers. In the margin, I have a note that says financial aid to help Jews get to Israel after World War II. That's just one example um, it also, this verse shows our role as Gentiles. We are supposed to be a temporal support, a financial support, not always temporal or, or financial, but temporal is, is more than that. We, we're to be an aid uh, in this world, not necessarily spiritually, but actual aid and we know carrying them on our shoulders if we have to, if we can. And I really like this. It defines our role as Gentiles. The next verse I have is a different color again. Verse 15, and it meaneth that the time cometh that after all the house of Israel have been scattered and confounded, that the Lord God will raise up a mighty nation among the Gentiles, yea, even upon the face of this land. Uh, it's pretty clear now that that nation is America. At 1830, were, when Joseph Smith wrote this, what with, it, it wasn't, let's see, they weren't necessarily a mighty nation. They did win their independence. So when did America become a mighty nation among the Gentiles? In 1830, I, my uh, theory is that they were not yet a mighty nation. It seems clear to us now that obviously this is America, and it is. They're talking about America. But in 1830, it wasn't so obvious. There were several wars. The War of 1812, they fought again with England, and they still held on, and, and maybe finally uh, convincingly won their independence. And then, I mean, we just had the Louisiana purchase in, in 1838, somewhere around there. And so the, the history of our, our nation is we were still moving into this land. We were not mighty. We were, we were half of the, we were only half the continental United States. As I understand it, we were not established yet as that mighty nation. So when did that happen? It wasn't in 1830. If you keep going, I, I, where I think it happened, it would be at the end of World War II, not World War I. When World War I broke out, we sent our soldiers over there. We had no guns. We had to borrow ammunition and, and munitions and, and guns, and, and we were just men. We had men to throw at the problem, but we didn't have power. We were not a mighty nation in World War I. World War II rolls around, and we finally kicked into an industrial gear uh, where it said— uh, uh, when Japan dropped, you know, attacked Pearl Harbor, they, I think they said they awakened a sleeping giant. And then at, by the end of World War II, we were a mighty nation and established as a mighty nation. But we were struggling still kind of on par with England and the Soviet Union. And, and, and so it was somewhere after that, somewhere after or around World War II when we became a mighty nation. So that was not at the writing of Joseph Smith. Uh, verse 17. 
And after our seed is scattered, the Lord God will proceed to do a marvelous work among the Gentiles, which shall be of great worth unto our seed. Wherefore it is likened unto their being nourished by the Gentiles and being carried in their arms and upon their shoulders. So we just had a reference to temporal things in the other verses. This one is not temporal. I think this is a spiritual, uh, when you consider that that marvelous work was the Book of Mormon. And so now they're being nourished and carried upon our shoulders and arms. So I'm kind of taking it, taking the same uh, statement and saying, well, before it was temporal and this time it's spiritual. And I'm saying, I'm not doing it. Nephi did. (laughs) Okay. Nephi said it before that it was a temporal support being carried in their arms and upon their shoulders. This time, I know they're talking about that marvelous work there. They, they are talking, I mean, Isaiah is that marvelous work is the book of Mormon. And so I think it's a spiritual sense in this, in this reading of it. The next verses I have a different color are 19 and 20. And it shall be also of worth unto the Gentiles, and not only unto the Gentiles, but unto all the house of Israel, and the making known of the covenants of the Father of heaven unto Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. That theme, that promise to Abraham is rehearsed over and over and over to Israel. And they know it, they they are they know they are chosen, they are blessed, and and so it is a reference again to that that statement. And Nephi is saying, This is you guys, this is you guys over here in America. And it is this work is also of worth unto the Gentiles. The next verse I have is just in verse 21, the very next verse, but it's only, it's only four words. It's make bare his arm. And so when I, when I see that statement and I have it highlighted in my mind and, and I'm going to make a, a word picture for you, when I see make bare his arm, what that means to me is God is, you know, pulling his sleeve up. And he's curling his arm. You can't see it, but I'm curling my arm up like I'm doing curls and I am flexing my bicep. Okay. And so when I make bare my arm, I am flexing my muscle. I am showing you my guns here. Okay. I'm kissing, I'm kissing my bicep and I'm showing you, I am making bare my arm It's because I am showing my strength. And that is what that means to me. That is what God is going to do. When God rolls up his sleeve and flexes his muscle he is going to show his strength to the world. And so keep that word picture in your mind when you see make bare his arm. The next verses I have underlined and highlighted are verse 26 through 31. This is this prophecy is is very good for us. It shows how they're going to war among themselves. And I think this is not the one note that I have in the margin. I've, I, it sounds like it could be World War II or World War I, but I, I kind of think it's not. I think it's something that's future because the end of this walks right into a different time frame, too closer to the end. So, but it it could be it's prophecy. Who knows the, what we do know is or what makes me think this is because it's tied closely to uh, revelations chapter 17. And I think in your book of Mormon books of Mormon, you're going to see a reference in the margin to revelation 17. All the the thing I like about this, is all the scary stuff of Revelations about that uh, fall of Babylon is, well, it's just like I said, it's scary. It's all the bad stuff. It's all the things that, man, I'm really worried when I read that. And there's there's fear encapsulated in that. But this version of that same time period, the way Nephi tells it, is just the opposite. It is filled with hope. It is filled with a positive message. And so I'm going to highlight the idea that so 26 through 31 is what I'm talking about. 
And I like in verse 27, it says, they shall war among themselves and they will be, their hands will fall upon their own heads. And every nation that shall fight against Zion, uh, let's see in verse 30, and all they that fight against Zion shall be destroyed. They shall fall into the, verse 29, they shall fall into the pit which they digged to ensnare the people of the Lord. None of that is happening to the people of the Lord. This is the fall of the bad guys, the fall of Babylon. This is all talking about what's going to happen to the bad guys. In Revelations, it kind of includes us is in that picture and it throws us in the middle of that picture and not here. This is what I like about, and this is the message you should remember about this. Nephi does not throw the good guys in the middle of that turmoil and that tribulation. He says all the bad guys are going to war among themselves and those that fight against Zion will be destroyed and we have nothing to fear. The next verse is verse 33. I have it highlighted and I have a reference to Malachi 4.1 and it, I think it is directly from Malachi 4.1. If you look the both scriptures up, they both say the same thing. The other reference I have is verse 35. For he will not suffer that the wicked should des- shall destroy the righteous. And then the next one is just a few words in verse 37. The righteous need not fear. And then verses 41 and 42. For behold, the righteous shall not perish. For the time surely must come that all they who fight against Zion shall be cut off. And then verse 43 is a different color. And the Lord will surely prepare a way for his people. All of those messages that Nephi is sharing that is the same time frame, I think, as the fall of Babylon, they are positive messages. And Nephi is showing uh, the same time period with a positive message. And I like it better here. Just don't even bother reading Revelation 17. Come here instead. That should be the note in Revelations. Look at this section instead. Verse 44 I have right above the word prophet, I have written Christ. And if you go to verse, uh, let's see, 3 Nephi chapter 9, verse 60, 61, and 98, they're probably highlighted somewhere in your Book of Mormon in the margin or written already printed in there. And it flat out says in those, in that reference that Christ shows up and 3 Nephi says, I am he, I am the one that it was talking about when it says a prophet shall the Lord your God raise up. He flat out says it. It's me. And so that is the prophet that shall come. And if you look at this time frame of all these events, and now the prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you like unto me, he's talking about the second coming of Christ. It's got to be. It's, I just can't read it any other way. So we're talking about the last days, the very end here. And it's it's all Revelations, you know, the, the book of Revelations, and, you know, it's all there but this has a better picture for us. It's not so scary. Turn the page to verse uh, 48, and I have four words uh, highlighted at the top. The righteous need not fear. The next verse I have is 50 and 51. For the time speedily shall come that all churches which are built up to get gain and all those who are built up to get power over the flesh and those who are built up to become popular in the eyes of the world and those who seek the lusts of the flesh and the things of the world and to do all manner of iniquity, yea, in fine, all those who belong to the kingdom of the devil are they who need fear and tremble and quake. Same theme, same theme that the righteous need not fear. The ones who need to fear are the ones who are not, you know, if there's only two churches, it's the ones who belong to the church of the devil. And what are those churches called? What are they like? What do they look like? They look like this. They're churches that are built up to become popular in the eyes of the world. What a great description of the day and time we're living in. What a great uh, encapsulation of churches nowadays. 
The next verse I have is uh, just a few words in verse 55. And they shall be led up as calves of the stall. What that means is when, it, when a, a, a baby cow is born, it's not left out there on its own, out in the wilderness, out in the woods, out away from its mother in the pasture, because it's vulnerable. It can be, it can be taken down by wolves or, or whatever predators are out there, a, a calf out there in the open field. And God is not going to let that happen. He's going to take you, you know, all that, that baby cow, that calf is going to be protected. The farmer, you know, the shepherd, however you want to draw the uh, illustration or the, the word picture, he's going to take that calf into the stall. And that's what he's showing is that there is protection. I'm not going to leave you out there to the wolves. You are going to be led up as calves of the stall. And the Holy One of Israel must reign in dominion and might and power and great glory. And he will protect you. Verse 60, and because of the righteousness of his people, Satan has no power. I'm going to, uh, we know that this is the millennial reign. It just describes it too clearly. Uh, verse 61 and 62, for, for, uh, wherefore he cannot be loosed for the space of many years, for he hath no power over the hearts of the people, for they dwell in righteousness and the Holy One of Israel reigneth. I want you to make a note in your margin to Alma 21 verse 140. And I'm going to read it to you. Alma 21 verse 140. Yea, verily, verily, I say unto you, if all men had been and were and ever would be like unto Moroni, behold, the very powers of hell would have been shaken forever. Yea, the devil would never have power over the hearts of the children of men. So it's a good cross-reference. It shows that this can happen, that there was a man who had this kind of power. He was, uh, Moroni was, was so, if, if we were all like Moroni, the very powers of hell would be shaken forever. It's a good reference here when you're talking about the righteousness of his people. Satan has no power. And the end of this chapter, the last thing I have highlighted is in verse 64. And it's only three words and they're taken out of order. So when you read this verse, it kind of jumbles it all up. There's only three words that need to be highlighted in verse 64, and it's the word if, and then the word they, and the last word is repent. I'm going to read verse 64. But behold, all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people shall dwell safely in the Holy One of Israel, if it so be that they will repent. If they repent. That's the thing. That's the key. And that's all I have for verse or for chapter seven. Thanks for listening, and we'll get on to the second oh, book of Nephi my next time. Is easy, and my burden is light. For my yoke is easy.